Margaret. Hey, Holly. How are you? Oh, you know, um, new year, new me. Can you tell? I can. I love it. I, and they are new glasses. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, it's the only accessory you really need when all we do is Zoom. Um, so I'm super excited about today's podcast. I am too. We have this Alex. Is, this is Tremble. a good one. Yeah. Um, we have Alex Tremble from the American Conservation Experience, which uh, two of my favorite things, right? Leadership um, and mentoring and culture. Well, that's three things, but the culture experience mm-hmm. and um, the environment and volunteering in the environment. So really, really cool organization and a super cool guest. Yeah. Um, somebody who is so passionate about what he does. For sure. That um, kind of, yeah, makes makes our passion look almost non-existent. We look so, sleepy. Yeah. So, so happy, exci- excited for our listeners to hear his thoughts and to really feel his passion. Yes. Welcome. So, hi, and welcome to the Better People Podcast. I am Margaret Urich. And I'm Holly DePama. And with us today, we have Alex Tremble. And Alex is the Chief Culture and Communications Officer for the American Conservation Experience and host of the Executive Appeal Podcast. So, Alex, based on your really varied experience, I mean, everything that you've done, everything that you're currently doing, um, what would be most helpful for you to share with our HR community today? What would they? What do they need to know about Alex? Uh, I, they if they wanted to know something about me, um, I would say one. I'm almost never serious, so just FYI, we're going to do a lot of laughing today. Oh, good. Uh, <laughs> almost never serious. <laughs> um, but the, the the second is I I I don't believe in in living in a fantasy world. Um, I, I think it's is not helpful. Um. It, if your listeners are in the area of diversity and and and, and professional development and, and and culture improvement across the organization, I think that is as a critical thing is that we are not living in a fantasy world. What, when I say that, what I'm saying is that throughout my career, I've had the the honor of working in so many different places and so many different spaces, whether it would be with political leaders, with with um, senior government leaders, with nonprofits, with profits, and so on and so forth. And what I found is that when we when we when we address the topic of diversity, equity, inclusion, and we're diverse in topics of succession planning and so on and so forth, there is a a wanting, there's a desire to 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 focus on teaching people that different isn't bad. Different isn't bad. There's a focus on teaching people to understand and, and value each other's perspectives. That's absolutely critical. Um, but the reality is that you and I live in a real world where we know the data says that people who are taller um, generally get put into more leadership positions. Um, people who are more, quote unquote, attractive are believed more often. Um, people who are um, of a certain skin color get this. The people who are a woman or a male. Get, the reality is that we don't live in a fair world. So the only way to, to address these issues is to go into it eyes wide open and say, Okay, um, it's wonderful that we have all this um, this great information on 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 why people 
being different isn't bad, but what are we literally doing to increase diversity within our ranks? Are we, what are our hiring stats, right? What are our promotion stats? What are our vendor stats? Like all of these things are very objective. And to be completely honest, if an organization is, is only focused on educating their staff and not necessarily elevating their staff, then I think that um, there's a huge missed opportunity. And I think at some point, um, staff are going to become uh, disillusioned and 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 no longer be able to belong for the ride. So that's what I enjoy working on is helping organizations transition from the education to the elevation. Um, oh, that's wonderful. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> that sounds so, good, though. There you go. So, Write that one down. <laughs> along those lines, Alex, um, one of the things that I read um, when I was preparing to talk with you was an assessment tool that you created that um, provides for an organization deeper insights into cultural gaps. Hmm. And I'd love to um, I'd love to learn more about that, what that was, um, what it may or uh, may or may not have revealed, and what it what you did, what the organization did um, because of the data they received from that assessment. I cannot take full credit for that myself. Um, I worked with a phenomenal woman, um, August Ball, um, and her organization. She is just phenomenal. So what we did was when I came on to this organization, I've been now there almost two years. Um, the first things we need to do is do some sort of assessment because the reality is that the organization, um, has grown exponentially over the last now almost 20 years, 20 years being next year, our anniversary. Um, we have now elevated to the, um, second or third largest national conservation corps in the country. Um, and as many of your, your listeners will know, as you're growing that fast, sometimes systems and processes don't keep up. Right. right. Um, and so when I was brought in, part of my job was to help create those systems and processes because that is a part of culture, how you do your work. And so we brought in August Ball to do an, a series of trainings, but then also work with us to create um, a culture assessment. Um, and that assessment uh, uh, asked questions in regards to pay equity, right? It, had, it asked culture uh, questions in regards to um, availability for telework, um, on communication from leaders to leaders. Um, of the whole um, onslaught of different questions that we that we asked, and from that information, from that data, um, we are able to to say fairly confidently because we had a pretty good um, sample size of, of employees who who completed it. That you know, ACE has done really really well in regards to um, diversity, in regards to um, uh, persons from um, uh, the LGBTQ community. Um, uh, we have, I think, about over 30% of our staff are from that, identify within that community. Um, uh, we've done also fairly well with people who are, um, who identify as being someone with a, um, a physical um, disability. Um, and that is, again, really cool, especially given the work that we do, because we're breaking those stereotypes that you have to be the super fit abs rock climbing person in order to be outside doing great conservation work. Um, but what we found was that there was, and this is why this data is so important. Um, uh, we had, I think, five people of African-American descent in the organization, right? Um, we had three Native Americans, right? <laughs> so the, the, the survey- Out of how many? 10 or- 
Out 200. Of, oh, sorry. Um, our organization has roughly 160 people, full-time staff people. Um, so, so there were some definite cultural gaps. Definite cultural gaps. But what was cool, people were really worried about that. And I was like, dude, like this is not something to worry about. What we're doing is being transparent. We're being honest with ourselves because, again, if you w- live in this fantasy world, like everything's just hunky dory, then you don't actually address anything and no one can hold you accountable. So, having this data and coming out and saying, Yeah, this is wonderful that we've done really great in these other areas, but um, over here, we need to focus some efforts. And this is why I personally have moved away from the idea of increasing diversity within an organization to focusing on um, underrepresentation, right? Because representation is is much more adaptable because there's certain areas of the country, because again, we work nationally, there's certain areas of the country that the population may be 98% Caucasian, Right. And are we going to be, are we, do, should we hold ourselves accountable for getting a whole bunch of different people from who don't even want to be there in that space? Or do we say, okay, what is, who are the people who are underrepresented in this area? What, what's their education? What's their, 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 their economic um, situation and so on and so forth. Asking those questions allow you to be, I think, much more intentional as you're trying to increase quote unquote diversity, which is again, I think we should move to underrepresentation. Again, that also works for organizations who are global in nature, right? Because if you're focused on, um, oh, we need to make sure that we have more women in leadership. Well, in some countries, women are doing very well in leadership. And so maybe you need more males, or maybe you need more people who are uh, uh, religiously from a um, Christian background or or a or, or Buddhist background. It all depends on the context of where you're working. Sorry, I get on these rants. So it's, please no, stop I me. I feel you on that. I mean, I'll tell you, uh, you know, uh, years ago, and I'm a hundred. So um, years ago, he's not lying. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm propped up here. I'm in like a hospital. Um, <laughs> Margaret, you're going to get in trouble once you get done. This is over. Um, but uh, years ago, I worked for an organization. It was uh, an education environment. And, um, you know, there was a focus on um, Latinx students and their their the absence of them. And I remember, you know, the HR person pulling data and saying, well, we have um, four Latinx employees, zero Latinx faculty, right? So it's, again, just like you said, it's, it, it is, um, it's sort of a holistic viewpoint mm-hmm. of, of this issue. And I said, how are we going to recruit students when they look up and see nobody here. Um, so anyway, I mean, I, I, I really appreciate that, that, um, that way of looking at things of um, in a, in a, I mean, I love living in a fantasy, but um, you know, She's again, not lying. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, but, but I'll tell you that, that, that feeling, I hope people realize that that feeling of seeing representation, it it's real. Um, I still remember, regardless of your political affiliation, when when President Obama was elected, I, I worked at the Department of the Interior overseeing executive leadership development there. And I remember jogging up the steps one day to, to the front door, um, and I imagined myself as Obama. Like, I had never done that before. I'd been in that building so many times before, but it was just like, wow, like this this is possible, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's really, really important that we have that representation. Um, 
And again, again, this is a you know, this is a very maybe controversial topic, but it's not also just about the representation, right? Because you can have um, uh, you can have you know, we can I'm not sure how, how open we can be here, but you can have a black guy, um, a white guy, um, um, a Latino woman. We can have all those different people who who all grew up um, in Massachusetts, who all were in the same um school district who all have the same economic uh situation and yes they're absolutely going to have different contexts of life absolutely but that at the same time it's not it's not still varying on that bigger level on that larger level which is you know, having someone from california the west coast or down south they have a different context midwest has a different context people who are in a higher economic level they have a different context, just as people from a lower economic level. And again, I want right. to be really intentional with saying, and just because you came from a higher economic level does not mean you are bad or doesn't doesn't mean you don't need help or assistance. Um, because there are a lot of people who are in those those realms that I work with who didn't have certain resources because maybe their parents weren't around, right? I, or maybe they got everything they ever wanted. So they so th- now they, they feel insecure. Like there's it, we have to be very open when we're and open on our mindset as we are working and talking with people if we're if we're going to do this work effectively. I think so, you bring up such an important concept, which is that diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging goes far beyond um, what you can see. Mm-hmm. And so, I'd love to hear, you know, um, maybe what your most proud moment is around creating more diverse environments or creating um, a more effective way to onboard or keep people um, understanding and creating the conversations around around treating uh, and understanding differences? Mm-hmm. That's a great question. Um, I'm going to come up with a really easy one. Um, the answer should be fairly, I think it's very simple and not, not super complex. So I hope you, you, everyone will still appreciate it. Um, I'm over culture, which is everything packs everything within the organization, but I'm also comms, right? And so one of the most important things for me, we just got finished talking about it is representation, right? There is a, there is a reality that there is in the environmental industry, it's very segregated. Um, there is not much diversity, quote unquote, diversity within that environment, within the industry. And unfortunately, um, a lot of people grow up saying, that's not me. We don't do that. We don't go hike. We don't go into the forest. And in addition to them, that, that self-talk, it's also um, companies and industries who, who've never worked with those people and don't think about those people. So they don't talk to them. They don't show images and so on and so forth. So one of the, the coolest thing I've just worked on, which I really, really, I'm, I'm very proud of is when I came into ACE, one of the first things I think all organizations to do was identify their values. Um, so, cause the values are, are, are how you do your work. Right. The mission and vision is where you're going and why you're going there. But the value should be how you're going to do it. So once you identify your values, um, then you define your values, which a lot of organizations don't actually do. So what does being inclusive mean? Right. What does um, customer focus mean? So you have to now define those values. And once you've now defined those values, if you're a really, really great organization, you also then identify 
examples of behaviors of those values, right? You actually literally come up with a list of this is what it looks like within our organization to be customer focused, right? And once you've developed a list of different behaviors, you now have that so you can create interview questions. You now have that so you can create assessment for your um, performance. You have that so you can do your policies and all those definitions and those examples should drive so much change. And so once I've developed those values, I then went using my comms hat and created a series of videos to communicate to our, um, to our audience internal to ACE, what our values are, but also externally to ACE. And when we did that, we were very, very, very intentional with being, um, with showing the imagery of not only the different diverse individuals that we work with inside of our organization, but also the places and spaces that we work and the stories that we tell and the type of work that we do. And I can't tell you when I started sharing these, these videos internally, just to, uh, just to get initial feedback, the positive, the positive responses that people were sharing, like, I've never, I, one, I didn't even know there were more than me here, right? <laughs> but I've never seen myself represented in this organization. And it's such a small thing, but th this is why I enjoy working on these. Again, I'm very values focused and I'm very um, behavior focused because I honestly, and this is going to be fairly risque to some of your staff or some of your listeners, but um, I, I tell this people all this, I tell people all the time, I don't care if you... I don't care if you like me if, uh, because I'm black. Um, if, I, if, I, if you, if, if you, I'm a black guy. Everyone, if, by the way, um, if if someone doesn't like me simply because I'm black, I could care less. Um, if an employer staff member doesn't like me because I'm I'm black, I could care absolutely less. Um, and this goes for any demographic. And the, the reason not being because I don't think it's stupid. Um, I, I think it's because I have no control over what you think. I have absolutely no control of what you think. Um, but what I can hold you accountable for is your behaviors. And that's why identifying behaviors, which are acceptable and not acceptable, are so important within the organization. And then promoting those behaviors, but then also holding people accountable for those behaviors. Um, so th this is why I love doing this work. And I, I, get, I do a lot of speaking and talking on this, these topics as well. But thank you for asking this question, which got me on this big rant. So I apologize. <laughs> No, quite all right. And we love it. And your passion is, is so evident. Um, one of the questions I wanted to ask you, so we know that our members love to hear stories and you've been telling us some great stories already, which is awesome. But they also love to learn from your experience, right? Or from, from experiences. So when you think about um, identifying the underrepresented and, and helping to bring in, right, or, or you know, a, approach how you're hiring with that lens, right, to try and recruit more of the underrepresented. Mm -hmm. What are some tips you can offer for how to do that? Because that's often the question we hear from our members. How can we, how can we do this? Like, we want to do it. We know it's good. You know, we know we, we want to do it. How? What's the best way? So what are some steps they could take to doing that? Um, I, I'm going to answer your question with asking the question. Um, if you were a leader within your organization and you wanted to improve um, employee satisfaction, um, what would you do? Well, there's, there's a lot of people who would be like, oh, you know, maybe throw some more parties and, you know, you know, throw some pizza in there or, you know, give, give out some award or something like that. Um, but a, a, a smaller number of people would say, I'd ask the employees. <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. You're trying to engage the employees. You maybe ask them what could 
you do to help and engage them more. And that transitions to most things, especially in regards to recruitment and outreach. Um, Talking to those communities, you know, going to different organizations and different groups and saying, hey, look, we're looking to build a relationship with this community. Um, What are your recommendations? And because I'll tell everyone, just so you know, when you start this, you may have some organizations giving the side eye. Um, I'll just be completely honest, because there's a lot of organizations who are looking for a quota and they'll just come into a community, do a, a couple, you know, throw some jobs out there and say, oh, you know, if you got it, you got it. You don't, you don't buy. I'm, I'm gone. I got my numbers. I said I did it. Um, I, I got my photo op, right? So it looks really good. Um, but so a lot of organizations kind of get, you know, sour to it. Like, are you really here to build a relationship? Or are you here for a photo op? And so it may take time, but I would tell I would implore all organizations as much as possible, identify those organizations, identify those communities, identify those groups you 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 say you want to develop a relationship with and start reaching out to them. It's going to be about you identifying how can you provide value to them, right? Because all relationships are based on value, all relationships, even our marriages, our best friends. There's, there's absolutely no relationship that's healthy um, where those individuals in that relationship aren't providing value to each other. Um, so provide value, understand it's going to take some time. And now here's the other side of that hat, um, relationships take time to build. And does that, does that mean that you as an organization just sit around and wait for those relationships to build? Absolutely not. Um, you also got to do that short-term work, which is, you know, how can I identify the, the magazines, right? The, the social media channels, the, 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 the different groups that I can partner with, that I can share my job opportunities with to make sure that it's getting in front of the right crowd. When I was in my master's program, we did a, um, we did this, um, this case study of this organization who was looking to increase its diversity within the ranks and they were just like look we can't figure it out we we are we are advertising over and over and over. we just can't get it and so the question was okay where are you advertising well we spend so much time and money and we're advertising the washington post but it's we're just not getting in diversity oh who's reading the washington post that's that's not to say that no people from underrepresented communities read it but what's the demographics right so you got it's, again it comes back to full circle data right and and being willing to test the data and and being willing to call yourself wrong and the last thing i'll say and i'll wrap up this piece is when i came into the organization the first thing i told everyone is that i'm extremely passionate about this um and this is something i'm dedicating to make change and making progress on um, but i can promise you all i am going to get this wrong and we are going to get this wrong but the the option of waiting for the perfect and making having no progress happen versus um, taking steps forward consistently and knowing that every once in a while I may have to take a step back, but there's progress made. I'd much rather take those steps forward and 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 worry about the 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 misstep and having to to reframe and and just do better next time. Yeah, so I love that because there can be no success really without some objective failures and. And, um, you know, I'm a hundred and I'm also a giant failure, but you know, one of the things you do is a lot of coaching of executives and one of the, um, testimonials I read was that you really helped an individual with networking skills. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that HR in it, in a way 
to create community, to get into new environments, to help create relationships, we need to network. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What is the advice that you give to help someone increase their network? So this is my passion area. Um, <laughs> you know, Harvard Harvard came out with a study last year, which we all knew they were, we already knew the results, but they they came out with a study saying it that you know, your your success, your economic success um, as an individual largely depends on the the individuals you're around. Right? We've we've all known this, um, and unfortunately, um, the reality is that many people from underrepresented communities. Um, tend to believe in this this falsehood this lie this this the propaganda that we've all been fed hard work takes you to the top it doesn't i can promise you all right now you all know someone who works really hard and they're not where they want to be right so hard work is important i'm getting myself in trouble here um it, it, you don't get to the table unless you work hard but it's not hard work that differentiates you it's what you were talking about holly is that it's your network it's your the relationships that you have and who can open doors for you provide you information who can who can get you resources and access um so you know what i recommend and what i what i, what I talk about in my own um talks and speeches is what i call the the 4C relationship building model. Um, and so I'll go through it really quickly. Feel free to ask questions. Um, there are four processes that someone needs to do in order to be an effective strategic networker. Um, and I did this, um, I created this as I did research via LinkedIn surveys, my uh, interviews of executives who are be, who are successful across um, across both government, nonprofit, and private sector, and this is what I found in in my literature my literature review. The the first is mindset change, as with everything. The first C is mindset change, um, because it does not matter what anyone teaches you about networking. If you think networking is sleazy, if you think networking is mm. is beneath you, or is what the the bad people do, you won't do it. Legit. Right? <laughs> so mindset is the the first thing you have to be able to change. Um, the second is internal clarity. Now, this again, this is another place where people tend to mess up. They tend to think about, okay, networking, I need to find, I got to find Margaret. I got to find Holly, right? I want to build a relationship with them. Um, but but if you don't know, if you don't know what your goals are, right? If you don't know the outcome you're looking for, how, how do you even know that Margaret's the right person you should be talking to? doesn't mean you don't talk to market, but if you only have so much time and we only have so much time, energy and resources, then maybe we should be a little more intentional about where we spend and direct those, those, the energy and resources. So again, for an example, if you are looking to promote a program or launch a program within your organization, you need support for that program. Um, and it has, let's say it's an IT program, then maybe, maybe you don't need to you know, spend your time networking with the person who does acquisitions. Maybe you need to be talking to the person who 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 oversees or has resource to um, resources to access to resources, whether it be dollars, whether it be political support, whatever it may be, right? Um, so internal clarity is understanding what your goals, aspirations are, so you can identify those right people. But then also taking that second step and figuring out what resources do you have access to. Right. Um, because I, I had mentioned earlier, the only way to build real substantial relationships is value-based relationships. I am providing value to someone else. Well, how do you provide value to someone else if you don't know what you have to give to them? 
So doing that works. And again, there's a whole a whole other components, but I, I'll, I'll keep it there. The next is external clarity. External clarity is now, now you're focusing on Margaret. Now you're focusing on Holly saying, okay, where are they at? How do I get in contact with them? Are they a part of any organization? Well, who are their friends? Who are their enemies? What are their goals? What are their aspirations? How can I be a benefit to them? That is when you start talking about the external person, right? External clarity. And the finally, it's, it's, it's behavior choice. I mean, everything to me comes back to behaviors. And that's, okay, do I shake this person's hand? Do I look, do I look them in the eye? Um, what should I say? What words should I use? Should I use, should I ask them for advice or should I ask them for their opinion? Those are two different things, two different approaches, but research shows they actually produce the same result in certain contexts. So, you know, I, I again, I, I love this stuff and I, I really dive into this research and this is what I like to teach my clients. So again, when I'm speaking on at events and whatnot is, is the reality is, again, this full circle back to our diversity stuff, but if we say we're about diversity, if we say we're about in, uh, inclusivity, if we say that we want to want to provide a real opportunity for members from underrepresented communities to to rise the levels, and we're not teaching them how to build relationships with the decision makers, then we're not doing anything. Because about eighty percent of jobs are filled via the black market. What is that? Relationships. 70% of jobs aren't even posted online. So if we're not doing this, then we're not making a real concerted effort at diversifying our ranks. I love this. I love the four C's. I love how you laid it out. And I think it's so helpful because, because it doesn't come naturally for a lot of people. We don't really know how to do this. And, and we think networking or a lot of things, right? Or we have this very surface level kind of concept of what things are. And what you just did is really break it down. And, and what word was occurring for me is being intentional, like really thinking about what you're doing and being intentional with it. So what are you going to be intentional about this coming year? It's the beginning of the year, right? We're, we're writing goals. Ooh. We're thinking about that. Where's <laughs> your intention for the year? Um, my intention is, is twofold. Um, one is, you know, again, ACE, my organization, American Conservation Experience. Um, we, for the longest time, didn't have an external presence. Um, and we have been doing things the way we've always been doing because it, that's the way they always worked, right? And because mm -hmm. the economy changed, um, the job market changed, um, things got more difficult. So for me, my intention for this year is being very intentional with our um with our external communications again because that's that's my other hat i wear in this role is you know how do we get ace in front of the different communities that we say we want to bring to the table right uh both from a staff perspective as well as from our members perspective because basically what ace does is we provide um young people across the uh, across the country opportunities to engage in in conservation preservation type um, um opportunities development opportunities so that is one of my my really strong intentions for this year the second on the culture side of my hat is I am very, very focused this year. Now that we've defined all of our values, I am now in the process of creating interview questions so that organization-wide, we can make sure that we are asking those, those questions to say, are you in alignment with our value before we bring someone into our organization? Um, I love that 
Uh, John Maxwell once said, you know, how do you make sure you have an engaged and motivated workforce? Well, make sure you hire engaged and motivated people, right? So, so that's what I want to make sure we're doing is I, I want to make sure people are in alignment with our value on the front end. Um, so that the the interviews, uh, the interview questions is something that's really important to me. Um, and then finally, for me personally, um, I I love speaking. And so that's the other thing. It's just, I'll be definitely doing a lot more speaking this year um, for organizations, whether it be retreats or workshops or things like that. But um, I really want to be able to, again, spread this, spread the gospel, right? On uh, relationship building and how to improve and elevate organizations' cultures. That's That's fantastic. I want to ask you one last question. And it's going to go back to your in um, one of your intentions for the year. But what is what's your favorite interview question, and what are you trying to get at? Goodness gracious, you—that's a hard question. Oh that's come a, on! It, it, it look, I, I tell you, I, I get interviewed a lot. Oh, it, question asked to me, or do I ask on my podcast the executive pill? No, you ask. A candidate who is interviewing. Oh, a candidate. Okay, that type of interview. Sorry. There are so many questions. Well, we could have taken this so many different ways. But let's go with interview question. And then if there's time, we'll do the podcast question. But go ahead. Oh, goodness gracious. Um, Oh, my God. That that is actually a hard question. Um, One of the ones I use recently, I can't remember verbatim off the top of my head. Um, Again, we write all this stuff down. I like very scripted interviews. Um, Was was saying, oh, one one I really liked actually was um, well, we were hiring for a social media position in our organization. And the question was, um, the question was, you know, given your review of our social media channels and our ACE as a whole, um, what do you believe that we should be doing better or differently to increase um, engagement in underrepresented communities? Um, now, again, it sounds like a, a, a weird question, um, but I loved it because there were so many ideas that were shared during the, from the candidates answering that question. Um, it separated, it, one, it separated people from people who hadn't done, not, had done no research, right. right? And the people who had obviously been looking through our fees and had had notes which were really detailed so those people really stood out and the others were um it it also showed how people think how those people interviewing for this position thought about inclusion and i'll give you an example there's one person who who said um well i think that um a should do a uh, a should just do a really a better job of you know, making a post during Black History Month about Black History stuff, making a post about women's stuff during Women's History Month, making a post, and I'm like, no, 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 I, 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 I do not like that. I, and if you see Ace's, um, Ace's uh, LinkedIn page, actually, I, I, I made a comment myself this year. I, I wrote um, a thing for Martin Luther King Day. Um, I don't like when organizations simply post something about a particular group because it's that particular group's month, um, because that's pandering and it doesn't really mean anything. So if if you care about diversity, if you care about um, LGBTQ, then you should be posting about those things and showing how you're doing those things throughout the year. You should be doing it for you know Black History Month. That should be about throughout the year. Like 
we have to be, we have to break that what's easy to just make a post during this month um, to just, I'm going to, ma- we're going to make our social media handle. We're going to black it out or put um, a rainbow on it. Again, this is me. I realize people not like it, but my question is, did making your, your social media handle a rainbow, did that help? Who did, who did that help? Right. Did, did you create some policies to, to be more inclusive to them? Did you create a new program? Did you delegate resources or did you just make a nice little pretty um, flag? Right. And, and that's what I'm always about is, is real progress. Um, again, I, I have a comms background. I understand that perception is reality. So you do have to always have that lens on to say, to make sure people know and see that you are making change, but you also got to do it, right? <laughs> you can't just have the optics. Right. Which takes us full circle to what you said at the very beginning, which was educate versus elevate, right? Mm. And I think posting for Black History Month is educating. Posting all the time about it is elevating, mm. right? So it's just, that's awesome. <laughs> You're so, awesome. <laughs> this has been great. And Holly and I could go on and on talking with you. You've been a great host. The, the passion just like, uh, just oozes out of you and it, it just makes it like really awesome for us to be in your presence and to to be listening to you. We really appreciate you spending time with us today. Um, and you know, can't wait to stay connected and continue networking with you. Thank you so much for having me. All of your guests, please do check out um, American Conservation Experience, um, USAConservation.org. Um, we do really do some really great stuff. We engage youth, and um, please do think about it. And if you like to reach out to me, find me on LinkedIn, Alex Trumbull, T R E M B L E. All right. Awesome. Great. Thanks, Alex. Thanks, Alex. Thank you. See you. Thank you for listening. We hope you got a ton of value out of this episode. Before we go, we want to thank the sponsor of our show, the Mid-Atlantic Employers Association, more commonly referred to as MEA. MEA provides human resources services to hundreds of businesses across numerous industries every day, bridging gaps that restrain innovation and growth. If you need support around people issues, reach out to meainfo.org. Better people, better outcomes.